Peter's confession wasn't based upon what somebody else said about Jesus. It wasn't even based upon some of the things he saw that Jesus did. It wasn't based upon speculation as that, that what Peter might have had in mind for Jesus is going to be fulfilled in a different way than he possibly even imagined. For Peter, it wasn't, it wasn't a decision upon assumption. For Peter, it was a heart's response to the prompting of the Holy Spirit as he works in the life of a man. Do you understand that? It's the prompting of the Holy Spirit within the heart that brought Peter to this place to recognize who Jesus is. I am convinced that no true confession of Christ can ever be given apart from the working of the Holy Spirit within the heart of a man or woman. It's got to be God working in us for us to recognize who God is. It's got to be God who's working in us for us to identify who Christ is. It isn't what we just read from the text. It isn't what we have heard a mom and dad talk about or, or raising us in a Christian home and somehow we absorb it. It is God through the Holy Spirit working in us and on us on behalf of what God wants to happen. I think maybe more evidence of this is some of the things that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And let me just read a couple of passages here to you to give strength to this point. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11, Paul writes, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, and the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And Paul goes on to write in that same letter, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God can ever say Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Those are the apostles' words. If that's not direct enough, let me give you the very words of Jesus as recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 45. Jesus said, It is written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. It is the Father, through the Holy Spirit, working our lives that brings us to the Son, who in turn brings us to the Father. It's a... It's, It's a God thing. This whole thing of confession is a God thing. If it's anything else, it's not a true confession. And then, it it just doesn't seem to make sense, but as as soon as Peter makes this statement, as soon as Peter boldly proclaims who Christ is and shares his heart in front of his peers, Jesus says, don't tell anybody. What? Don't tell anybody. Barclay writes, No sooner had Peter made this discovery than Jesus told him he must not tell any man of it. Why? Because first and foremost, Jesus had to teach Peter and the others what Messiahship really meant. 
Peter, you need to understand what you just said. You need to understand who I am to its fullest. And this is what I talked about earlier, that this is, this is the pivotal point in, in, in the text. Because if you just t- do a quick glance through the Gospel of Mark, you'll recognize that there have been a number of large assemblies of people of which Jesus sat down and taught. We have the Sermon on the Mount. We have the feeding of the 5,000. We have the feeding of the 4,000. These people assembled for Jesus' teaching. But from this point forward, as Jesus has set his eyes on Jerusalem, as Jesus has taken this moment not only to reveal himself who he is through the Holy Spirit, at this very point when Jesus speaks of what's soon to happen to him, that he is going to be arrested by men, he is going to be betrayed, he is going to be crucified, Jesus now begins to devote his time specifically to the teaching to his disciples. Yes, there are others around, and yes, there are others who are hearing this teaching, but his, his audience isn't the multitudes. His audience, is to his, his audience is his disciples because he wants to make certain they understand what the role is from this point forward. It's a beautiful, it's a, it, it, it's a, uh, a, 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 a perfect pattern of revealing himself to a larger number and then focusing on the ones who are going to carry on the work to reach the greater world. You've got to remember the concept of the Messiah during this time. He, he was seen as the one that's going to come in and rescue Israel and save the Jews from, from the oppressive uh, foreign rule of the, of the Roman government. It, it, the Messiah was going to reestablish a kingdom on earth that was going to be above all kingdoms, just like, just like the kingdom of David. This is what they had ma- imagined, this earthly kingdom being established by an earthly leader. And that's what Jesus wanted to diffuse. The kingdom that Jesus was talking about was way beyond anything that had been on earth or would be on earth. Then, a little bit later, and we didn't read it uh, in in the opening text, but uh, I, I think it's important for us to realize what happens after this when Jesus does begin to tell his disciples what's ahead for him, that he will be abandoned and turned over to, to be crucified. And, and Peter won't have anything of it. Look at Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23. From this time, meaning after this conversation about who am I and uh, who do you say that I am, And as he has explained what's going to happen to him, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now listen to this. And Peter, impetuous Peter, (laughs) takes Jesus aside. I can just see him just kind of grabbing Jesus by the arms. Oh, wait a minute here. And began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. To which Jesus responds, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus was not calling Peter Satan. 
Jesus was mindful of the fact that Peter has already begun this, this uh, dealing with the, the uh, situation being targeted by Satan. And this is, this is just kind of a prelude or a preface to what will come later in terms of denial and all that stuff. And, and Jesus refers to, Peter, refers to this whole situation when he talks to Peter about his denial, that he's going to sift him. Shake him, up, shake him down, basically. And this is what's happening. And Jesus, Jesus addresses the moment. And he makes a strong statement. One, he spoke to Peter. But I believe you and me as disciples, just as Peter heard it himself from the mouth of Christ, we need to hear it as well today. Disciple, <laughs> you are not setting your mind on things of God but on the things of man. You see, Peter was bearing evidence of, again, his, his expectance of this, the expectant kingdom of his that would be solidified in, 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 in an in a earthly rule and, and he having his place in it as, as a, not only a follower of Christ, but one to rule with Christ because that was, a, that was to be a promise to be at least suggested. There was, there was arguments, remember, among the disciples of who was going to be the greatest, who would sit on his right, who would sit on his left. Who knows what's running through Peter's mind, except he was not seeing the kingdom that Jesus was talking about. He was seeing the earthly kingdom that he was accustomed to. This is troubling. Because I think this is the very Messiah that we sometimes gravitate to. We look to the Christ to make our world perfect. We look to Jesus to make everything right. We want to ensure that where we are right now is secure. We want our kingdom to be comfortable. Let's, let's, let's make certain that we're protected from all that other stuff out there and we're close to Jesus. It's much, much more than that. That's not what Jesus is after. He's not after our comfortableness here on the face of this globe. He wants us to be citizens in his eternal kingdom. He wants us to be a part of him and he to be a, a part of us. One, in Christ, is who we are to be. And not in Christ and in the world. We are in Christ, residing in this world, waiting for the new heaven and the new earth. That's what we're all about. That's the kingdom. Listen. It's never enough. It's never enough to know what you believe being based on what others believe. It's, it's never enough to simply adopt a faith because that was the faith of your parents or your grandparents. It's never enough to find yourself comfortable in your world, thanking God for all the blessings that come your way, and, and see that as it. <laughs> it's much, much more than that. So much more than that. When I, th when I, when I visualize Peter and the disciples standing in the presence of Christ, and, and, and he is asking the question, who do you, who, who do you say that I am? And, and they're in this environment that just is... Images that bombard them of what kind of world they're in. A world that is contrary to God. 
a world that is against the living God. And brothers and sisters, that's the kind of world we are living in. This isn't the world that we want. We want the kingdom that God has promised and nothing more and nothing less. So, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a Messiah that's going to fix your world? To bring you what you want? Are you looking for the temporal? Or are you looking for the eternal? Are you hoping that he will maintain your kingdom? Or are you desiring his kingdom? Are our minds set on things of man or on the things of God? You see, that's the very question that Jesus was asking his disciples. Where's your mind? Where's your heart? I want to just point out something very, very important here about Peter's confession. It was personal and it was public. Uh, I I was with a a family member uh, several years ago and... um, we, I, I, was, I was in their house, and, uh, and a neighbor came over. And I was introduced to their neighbor as a pastor. And the neighbor immediately began to ask me about my faith. And I responded as believing as I should, pointing out that I believe in Christ, <laughs> the living Savior, uh, and, and shared in a, in a brief context a, a, a gospel, I guess, a, a, a glimpse of the gospel, I guess is the best way to say it. And then this neighbor turned to my, my family member and said, what do you think? And his response was, it's personal. It's personal. What I think about Jesus is personal. And it is but it's much more than that. You've got to remember that Peter made this profession where? In, in, a, in a place that would have been populated by people who don't know Christ, who denied Christ. If, if, if no one else was in earshot of that conversation, Peter was in the company of family members. Peter was in the company of work associates. Peter was in the company of his peers. And he publicly professed his faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe we as Christians are charged to do the same. Yes, our, our, our confession of faith is personal, but our profession of faith is public. And we as a church today better make this world know that we live for Christ and Christ alone. Romans 10, 9, 10 reads, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It is the profession. It is the confession. It is, it is what you say as, as much as what you believe. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. If you never tell anybody about Jesus Christ, if there is never the confession of your faith to someone else, 
then I think there is room to question the depth of that, that faith that you have in the living Lord. The Sunday school lesson this morning, the Great Commission. These were the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he was ascended into heaven. Go! <laughs> Tell the world! Let the world know what you believe. Let them know you believe in me, in the things of God and not the things of man. That's what we're charged to do. So I just encourage you to maybe periodically (laughs) give some thought to these questions that Jesus asks his disciples. Maybe the first one is, Jesus would say to you, who do you say that I am? Another question that you might want to say, have Jesus ask you, do you love me? Do you really love me? It's a fun study. I encourage you just to go through the Gospels. And as Jesus asks questions of his disciples, let him ask you the same. And see where you come out. Let's pray. Lord, you know that we love you. Let us be bold in the profession of that love. Let us be public in the confession of our faith in you. And may it be, just as it was for Peter, a heart and mind issue, claiming the things of your kingdom and releasing the things of man's kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.